Today we move into Luke chapter 9. And in Luke chapter 9, a significant change takes place in Luke's gospel. The reason I say that is because up to this point, it's been Jesus who has done all the teaching, the proclaiming of the kingdom, the casting out of demons, the healing of the sick. It's been Jesus who has done all of this up to this point. I mean, for example, back in Luke chapter 4, we saw Jesus standing up in the synagogue, opening up to Isaiah 61 and reading this prophecy about the Messiah and then saying, today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. That was Jesus. We've seen Jesus teach with such authority that the crowds were just stunned. We saw Jesus lay his hand on a leper, an unclean, outcast leper, unclean as viewed by that society. And Jesus touched him and completely healed and restored him. That's Jesus. We saw Jesus meet a, a man, heartbreaking story. A man who'd for years lived out in the tombs, naked, screaming. And Jesus cast out of him a legion of demons. This man was completely restored. And then just this last week, we read about Jesus saying two words, two words to Jairus' daughter who had died. She was dead. He said to her, child, arise. And she rose from the dead. So up to this point in Luke's gospel, it's been Jesus who has done all the teaching, all the casting out of demons, and all the miracles. But now, in this chapter, Jesus gives the 12 disciples, the apostles, he gives them supernatural power and authority to proclaim the kingdom, to teach, and to cast out demons, and to heal the sick. Now, why does he do that? Why? Let's start with that as our first question. Why would Jesus send out the 12 to preach and to heal? Why does he gift them power and authority to preach and to heal? And why does he send them out? Why? Start with verse 1. And he called the 12 together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. So Jesus gives the 12 disciples supernatural power and authority to cast out demons, to heal, and to proclaim the kingdom. Now just imagine that you were Matthew, one of those 12 disciples. Yesterday, you did not have this supernatural power and authority. Now, you have it. Jesus has given you supernatural power and authority to proclaim the kingdom, cast out demons, and heal the sick. Now, this is a big change in Luke's gospel, as I mentioned. Up to this point, only Jesus has proclaimed the kingdom and healed the sick. Now, the twelve are gifted to proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick, and he sends them out. Why? couple reasons. One reason is... Because Jesus wants far more people to be saved. The crowds are out there, thousands and thousands of people throughout Israel. 
And if Jesus' ministry can be multiplied from just him to also the 12 going out, that will see many more people saved from their sins. Many more people forgiven through trusting what Jesus would do on the cross. Many more people reconciled to God. Jesus wanted to multiply his ministry. That's one of the reasons why. A second reason is because after Jesus was crucified and raised from the dead and then ascended into heaven, it was these 12 disciples, these 12 apostles, who planted the churches and were the leaders of the early church. And so they need to get trained, which is one of the reasons he gifts them and then sends them out. But I think that there's a crucial third reason also for why Jesus does this and why Luke records this. It's because Luke wants us to understand it's not just Jesus who preaches the gospel and ministers to people's needs. We are all called to do that. We're all called. Now, here he sends out the 12 apostles, but then in the next chapter, chapter 10, he sends out 72 others who go out to do the same. And these aren't apostles, the 72. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read that Jesus says that we will all receive power to be his witnesses. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Okay, now these words were spoken to the apostles, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But in the next chapter of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit is poured out upon all the believers. They all receive this power. And in the rest of the book of Acts, we see every believer going out, spreading the word everywhere they go. So every believer receives the power of the Holy Spirit. And every believer is called by Jesus to bear witness to other people of who he is. So just like the 12 in Luke chapter 9, we are all called to share the gospel. Now, there are some differences. We are not apostles. We do not all have the gift of healing, casting out demons. Some do. We don't all, though. 1 Corinthians 12 is very clear about that. We all should pray for the sick, James chapter 5 tells us, but we don't all have the spiritual gift of healing. But we should all pray for the sick. Let me just tell you a, a quick story of, of a friend of mine from back in the U.S. Love this man. He was working in, in, his, in, in a business, and uh, he was getting to know his boss and trying to share the gospel with him, getting to know him, loving him, hearing his story, befriending him. One day his boss came in and said that he had terrible back pains that he developed. And my friend said, I'll pray for you. Could I pray for you? And so my friend prayed for him. And the next morning, his boss came in and said, you will not believe what happened to me last night. At around three or four in the morning, I was woken up and, and something was twisting me and cracking my back. And, and when it was over, the pain was completely gone. Now, I don't know if this man ever came to faith in Christ, but surely he received a powerful display of Jesus' reality and love and power. 
So I think we should all be praying for the sick, but again, we are not all, we're not any of us, apostles. We, we are not apostles, but we should be praying for the, the sick. But, but again, keeping this in mind now, back in Luke 9, remember Jesus gives the 12 disciples power and authority, sends them out to the, proclaim the kingdom, and in a similar way, Jesus gives all of us power and authority to be his witnesses and to minister to people with whatever spiritual gifts God does give to us. So there's a, very much of a similarity with all of us and with what Jesus does back in Luke chapter 9. Now let's pause just to make sure we're getting this. This is a crucial truth that it's easy for us to miss. Question, is it just Jesus who's called to proclaim the kingdom and, and help lost people? No. Is it just the apostles who are called? No. It's all of us. Every follower of Jesus is called to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to help lost people with whatever spiritual gifts God gives to us. So let this sink in. You have been given power to bear witness of Jesus and to help lost people come to faith. You've been given that power. So Grace Church, here's the question. What are you doing with that power? It's been given to you. What are you doing with it? Okay, so we've seen Jesus gives the 12 apostles power and authority, sends them out to proclaim the kingdom, heal the sick, cast out demons. But look at what he says before they go, verse 3. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. So basically he's saying, don't take anything extra. Now, why does he say that? The answer is found in Luke chapter 22, verses 35 through 37. Read these verses this afternoon, but here's what happens. In those verses, Jesus is talking to the 12 and he says, When I sent you out, did you lack anything? When I sent you out and you didn't take anything extra, did you ever lack anything? And they answered, no, we never lacked anything. And then Jesus says, from this point on, though, you need to take a knapsack. You need to take money. You need to make preparations. Now, why the change? It's because earlier in Jesus' ministry, Luke chapter 9, people were still mostly welcoming Jesus and his followers. So when they would come into a town, they'd welcome them into their home. They would feed them. They would provide for them. And so Jesus' followers didn't need to take anything. But as time went on, the religious leaders became more and more jealous, enraged at Jesus, plotting to kill him because he was threatening their power and position. And they stirred up the crowds, the people to, remember, they cried out, crucify, crucify him. And then Jesus was crucified by the people. Tragic. And from that point on, Jesus' followers were persecuted. And so he says to them, that's what's going to happen so from now on, you need to take preparations, make preparations for your, your missionary trips. Then look at verse 4. He has more instructions. Whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. In other words, the first house that welcomes you, stay in that house. If you get a better offer, don't go to the better offer house. Stay in the same house. Stay in the same house you started in. When you leave the town, then you leave and then verse 5, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust 
from your feet as a testimony against them. This is a powerful statement. Town has rejected them. Some towns would reject them, but they should just shake the dust off their feet, which is a symbol of the fact that God's judgment is going to come to that town, the people of that town, unless they turn from their sin, put their trust in Jesus, receive forgiveness through Jesus' death, which he would die on the cross. They would face God's judgment unless they trusted Jesus. Then after giving those instructions, verse 6, And they departed, the twelve departed, and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Everywhere. Underline that. Notice that word. So here's the main point of verses 1 through 6. I think the main point is this. Jesus sends the 12 and us and all of us who are trusting him to preach the gospel and help lost people. That's the main point of verses 1 through 6. And that brings us to verses 7 through 9. Now, to see the point of verses 7 through 9, Let's ask the question, why does Herod ask about who Jesus is? Why? Start with verse 7. Now, Herod the Tetrarch, so Herod was the king ruling over that whole region. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. Now, pause there. What exactly was it that Herod was hearing? Remember, we just read in verse 6, just the previous verse. They went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. The twelve, the twelve are doing that. So Herod has just heard that the twelve were preaching and healing everywhere. So maybe Herod heard Matthew is out there in Capernaum, proclaiming the kingdom and healing the sick. And Andrew is preaching and casting out demons in Nazareth. And, and John is preaching and healing people in Bethsaida. So Herod's hearing about the twelve going everywhere and preaching. So with that in mind, let's start with verse 7 again and read through verse 9. Now, Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. All that the twelve were doing as they were preaching everywhere. And he was perplexed. Because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. So Herod's focus is not on Matthew or Andrew or John. Herod's focus is on Jesus. So even though Matthew and Andrew and John had been out there preaching the, the kingdom and healing the sick, Herod wasn't hearing about them, Matthew, Andrew, and John. Herod was still hearing about Jesus. Everybody was still talking about Jesus. Now, why? It's because when Matthew and Andrew and John were out there preaching, they were preaching about Jesus. And when they were healing the sick, they were healing the sick in the name of Jesus. And when they were casting out demons, they were casting out demons in the name of Jesus. In other words, I think, group, I think Luke wants us to be gripped by the fact that everything that the twelve did pointed people to Jesus. It was Jesus, 
Jesus, Jesus all day long, which is why Herod kept hearing about Jesus, even though it was Matthew, Andrew, and John and the 12 who were doing this. And, and I think Luke wants to challenge us here with a question. He wants us to ask, do our lives point people to Jesus? After people have spent time with us, are they talking about, who is this Jesus? Is that what people are doing? In other words, do our words about Jesus, just about our lives, how we're living, do they make them ask, who is this Jesus that this person keeps talking about? Does our patience with people, with our kids, in the workplace, make people think, who is this Jesus that he keeps talking about? Does our love for them, for others, make people ask, who is this Jesus who makes them so loving? Now, one implication of this is that it is not enough just to be a loving person. I mean, think about it. If, if Peter had just been out there being a loving person and never said anything about Jesus, what would people end up talking about? Peter, not Jesus. So it's never enough just to be a good, loving person. Do not fall for that deception. We must speak about Jesus. And also, it's not enough to talk about God. No one gets saved just by hearing about God. People must hear about Jesus. There is one name under heaven given among men by whom we must be saved. Peter preaches in Acts chapter 4. It's the name of Jesus. No one will get saved unless they hear about Jesus. So in our conversations, don't, don't just talk in vague terms about God. Talk about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. It's the name of Jesus that will bring people to faith. Okay, so let's summarize what we've seen so far. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. In chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, the point is that Jesus sends the twelve and us to preach the gospel and help lost people. And then in verses 7 through 9, Luke's focuses on how the twelve pointed everyone to Jesus. When they went out, they pointed everyone to Jesus. And when we go out in our lives, every day of the week, in our neighborhoods, workplaces, shopping, we should point people to Jesus. But now Luke has one more point he wants to make in this passage, and it is so encouraging to me, and I hope it's encouraging to you. Whenever we think about going out and, and proclaiming Jesus, bearing witness of Jesus, I think we will always start to feel inadequate. We will start to feel like, for me, that's really impossible to do. I mean, we, we might say something like, where am I going to get the words to say? I don't know enough. We might say, where, where am I going to come up with the boldness? I'm not that bold of a person. I'm kind of shy and kind of timid. We might say, where will I get the love to, to care? Where will I get the energy to reach out? I've got so many things going on. So that's the question that I think Luke wants to answer for us in this next section, verses 10 through 17. Where will we get what we need to share the gospel? Verses 10 through 17 describe one of Jesus' most well-known miracles, the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. But notice how Luke sets up this miracle. Notice how he frames it, what he starts off talking about. Verse 10. He keeps the focus on proclaiming the gospel, caring for the lost people. Verse 10. 
On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. So Jesus wants to get some time alone with them, but the crowd had a different plan. Verse 11, when the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now, now don't miss what's happening here. Jesus wants to get away with the disciples. He wants to hear reports. Brothers, how did it go when you preached the, the kingdom? What happened when you prayed for the sick? What happened when you cast out demons? Well, let's talk. He wanted to get some time alone with the disciples. But a crowd of, we'll read later, 5,000 men, which means not counting women and children. A crowd of 5,000 men, not counting women and children, followed him. That's a big crowd. And what does Jesus do? He wanted to get some time alone with the disciples. This big crowd is there. He turns around and he welcomes them. He welcomes them. He loves them. He loves them. And he starts teaching them. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. I have come to pay the ransom for sin for anyone who will turn from sin and put their trust in me. I'm going to the cross and I'm going to pay the ransom. You all need to be forgiven for your sins and you can be forgiven and reconciled to God by trusting what I do on the cross. Or maybe the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. Knowing God is like the best treasure ever who a man found and found that treasure, hid it, and sold everything he had to get it. Turned from everything to, to come to know God. Anyway, he, he taught them, and then he healed the sick. He welcomed them. He taught them. He healed them. And I think Luke emphasizes this to show us, and Jesus wants to show his disciples again, his compassion. His compassion. He cares for lost people who are alienated from God, separated from God by their sin, who are oppressed by sin, who desperately need forgiveness through the cross, who need the good news of Jesus, who need to be saved. And this would have reminded disciples, that's right. That's why Jesus sent us out. Oh, it's so important that we keep lost people as a priority in our lives. Then look at what happens in verse 12. So Luke is framing this, focusing on sharing the gospel with the lost, caring for the, the lost people. Verse 12, Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are in a desolate place. So just imagine you're out in a desolate place, maybe Lewa Desert, okay? and there's a crowd of 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And there's no stores around, no food around. You think, we got to do something. That's why the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, send them away while there's still light so they can get food and get lodging. Okay? Amazing. But then look at what Jesus does in verse 13. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. 5,000 men, not counting women and children, you give them something to eat. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we are to go and buy food for all these people, for there were about 5,000 men. That word men is the word for the masculine 
half of the human race, okay? It's the word for male, M-A-L-E, men. So in other words, Jesus here is calling them to do something that's impossible for them to do. They can't feed these 5,000 men, not counting women and children, with five loaves and two fish. And I think the reason Jesus asks them to do this is he wants to teach two crucial truths, and he wants to teach us two crucial truths. One truth. Jesus is always calling us to do things that feel impossible for us. Always. He calls us to be our, to be his witnesses in our neighborhoods, in the workplaces. And, and we can look at ourselves and say, I can't do that. I, I don't have the boldness. I don't have the personality. That's just not in my comfort zone. I've never been that good talking to people. I don't have the energy. I don't have the love. I don't have the time, whatever it might be. And you know, looking at ourselves, we're right. That is impossible for us looking at ourselves. But Jesus still calls us to do it because of the second truth. This is so encouraging. The second truth is Jesus will always give us everything we need to do what he's called us to do. Keep reading in verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. And he had them all sit down. And had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and set a blessing over them, over the five loaves and two fish. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. So he gave the disciples what they needed in order to do what he'd asked them to do. You feed them. I will give you the food that you need to feed them. That's what he does. Multiplies five loaves and two fish into enough food so that, verse 17, they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Jesus calls them to do something impossible for them, and then he gives them what they need to do it. That's how Jesus operates. We get the joy of watching his power. He gets the glory of supplying us everything we need, and the people get blessed as a result of our ministry to them. That's what he will do for us as we step out to share the gospel. With all of our sense of, I don't have this, I don't have that, I can't, he will give us everything we need. Quick story. Years ago, when we were planting our church in California, uh, I needed to work to pay the bills, so I, I worked as a real estate agent, helping people buy and sell houses. And, and the Lord blessed that. And once a month, there was a, a breakfast where all the agents from the company would, would come together. There were about 10 offices and, I don't know, three, 400 agents that would come. And I was asked one of the, at one of those breakfasts to be on a panel to share about how I was, how I was doing the business. And, and I, as I was praying about it days right before that, I knew that God wanted me to point to Jesus in some way, just to point to Jesus in some way, but I had no idea how. And I was scared. I mean, these are high-powered agents making lots of money, you know, really successful people, and here's me, you know. And just, it felt impossible. But I prayed. I knew God wanted me to do it. And, and I got there, and I 
the panel was getting set up on the stage. I went up and I sat down. And the first question, when I heard it, I just, I knew that God had given me what I needed. Because the first question was, share with us how you got into real estate. Well, the answer was, was easy. I, I got into real estate because we moved to San Jose to plant a church. We wanted to help people hear about Jesus, come to faith in Jesus, whose death forgives sins, who reconciles people to God, gives us the joy of his presence. We wanted to have as many people as possible come into the joy of knowing God. And so that was the first question. And so it was very easy for me to answer that question honestly, truthfully, in a way that pointed to Jesus. I'm not sure it came out quite as smoothly as the way I just described it, but God gave me what to say and it pointed to Jesus. And and, and afterwards, some people came up and said they appreciated it. And over the next few months and years, some people who were there came to faith in Jesus Christ. But see, the point is this. It felt impossible for me to do what I knew God was calling me to do. But he gave me what I needed. And it feels impossible for all of us to think of going out and, and sharing the good news of Jesus with people and, and helping lost people with whatever spiritual gifts God gives us. That can feel impossible, but God will give us everything that we need. And, and notice the last part of verse 17. What was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. That's a beautiful picture there. Because what that shows is that we will always leave filled. Each disciple had a basket, like a big old basket of, of fish and bread. And starting off with five loaves, two fish, every disciple ended up with a basket. We will always leave filled with everything that we need. God will not just give us what we need to give to others. He will give us what we need ourselves in him as we step out in obedience. So let's learn this lesson, Grace Church. As we are stepping out to share the good news of Jesus with people, a neighbor, a friend who doesn't know the Lord, maybe a work associate, we will feel like we don't have the boldness. We don't know what words to use. We don't have the, the love or the energy. And when we step out in obedience, asking God for help, relying on his help, he will always give us exactly what we need. That's what he promises to do. So let me summarize Luke 9, verses 1 through 17. Verses 1 through 6. Jesus sends the 12 and us to preach the gospel and help lost people. And then in verses 7 through 9, the 12 focused on Jesus. Everybody was talking about Jesus, not about them. So let's make sure that we speak and love in a way that the focus is put on Jesus. And then verses 10 through 17, Jesus calls us to do what feels impossible, but he will give us all we need. And we will even have leftovers afterward. Now, what does this mean for us, Grace Church? First of all, those of you who are listening, who maybe have not yet seen the glory, the reality of Jesus, you haven't yet owned up to that, you haven't turned from your sin yet, and trusted Jesus to forgive you, and to change you, and to fill you, I want to urge you, that's your takeaway today. Look at Jesus sending the 12 out because Jesus has such compassion for lost people like you. You are one of the reasons why Jesus sent out the 12. You're one of the reasons why God has brought Grace Church here. You're one of the reasons we're doing this service this morning. Because you need to hear about Jesus. So own up to the reality, the beauty, 
the truth, the power, the love of Jesus Christ, and that he will forgive you through the cross. He will change you by his power. He will fill you and satisfy you with his very presence. Turn to him and trust him. That's your takeaway this morning. Now, for those of you who are trusting Jesus, let me give you three questions to be pondering and praying about this week. First of all, what are you doing with the power that Jesus has given you to share the gospel? You've got that power. Acts 1 verse 8, you've received that power to be his witness. What are you doing with that power? Second question, how can your life and words point more to Jesus? More boldness in your words? More compassion and love in your life? How can your life and words do more to point people to Jesus? And then third, are you trusting Jesus to give you everything you need to share the gospel with others? Or are you saying it's impossible? It is not impossible. He says, I will give you everything you need. Grace Church, let's trust him and let's spread the gospel. Let's pray together. Father, I do pray for those who are listening right now who have not yet turned from sin to trust Jesus. Oh Lord, right now, help them to own up to the reality of Jesus Christ in history, in the flesh, God in the flesh on earth. Lord, help them to see your glory in Christ and see their need for a Savior, their need for forgiveness, their need for the cross, and that they would turn right now from their sin to trust Jesus to forgive them, to start to change them, and to satisfy them in his presence. Do that right now. And Lord, for those of us listening who are trusting Christ, oh Lord, Help us not to squander the power you've given to us. Help us to see that you've given us power and to step out in boldness. Lord, help us to point people to Jesus. And Lord, help us to trust you that even though it feels impossible, you will give us everything we need. The words, the energy, the time, the love, the opportunities. You'll give us everything we need. And that as we point to Jesus, as we do that, we will see you work, and we will come away with baskets of leftovers, filled hearts with all that you are. Strengthen us in this, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.